Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Today on the show, all right, it is crunch time. We need to know who you can trust. Can you trust the Packers running backs, Daryl Henderson, DK Metcalf? This week, we will get the trustometer out. We're also going to look ahead to 2022. Who are the top three picks in your 2022 fantasy drafts? A lot of Jonathan Taylor and a lot of Derrick Henry, obviously, but who got the third most votes? We will find out. I also have some fantasy ethics questions. Guys, is it okay to tank to keep a team out of the playoffs to help your chances of winning? Ethics are always such a weird thing. (laughs) Yeah. In fantasy or in life? Yeah. But especially in fantasy football. Yeah. I agree. That's where most of the ethical conundrums are. Ethical in life. Yeah. But fantasy football is a game, games involve strategies. Yeah, all right, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Also, at preview, Pittsburgh at Minnesota. Minnesota went from a team that had basically one difficult starter sit uh, decision every week to probably three now with Cousins and then, you know, on the lower end, Osborne and Conklin. And what else? Oh, the fantasy cops. The fantasy cops are coming back. Uh, dynasty quarterback risers and fallers, too. Dynasty quarterback risers and fallers. Heath said it, so now it has to happen. Let's go. Top three picks. In 2022, that's what I want to start with. So I, I put the tweet out there, saw all the responses, did my best to figure out the top three most popular. And Jonathan Taylor, no surprise. Derrick Henry, I would say, was was probably number two. Maybe a little surprising. And number three, a lot of Eckler, a lot of Cooper Cup, who... Let me, let's take a look at the points per game in PPR. This was a full PPR question, by the way. Points per game in PPR for the last six number one wide receivers, including Cup this year. Antonio Brown in 2016, 20.5. Antonio Brown in 2017, 22 points per game. Devontae Adams in 2018, 21.8 points per game. It's gotten a lot better since then. Michael Thomas, 23.4 points per game in 2019. Devontae Adams blew him away, 25.7 points per game last year. And Cooper Cup, 25.2 points per game. He's actually the highest scoring non-quarterback in fantasy in full PPR. So Cup, uh, I'll just give a few more names. Najee Harris, Javante Williams got a few votes. Christian McCaffrey, Ben Schrager likes Christian McCaffrey third. Justin Jefferson and a few Jamar Chases out there as well. All right, Heath, your reaction. My reaction was, I don't think it will be Cooper Cup. Um, I don't I don't think Cooper Cup will be the number one wide receiver next season. I kind of think with Adam Thielen out of the picture, we're just going to see 13, 14 target Justin Jefferson 
every week for the rest of the year, and he's probably going to be the number one wide receiver going in next year. But my top three would probably be, I I assume that we are assuming everyone has 100% health heading into next year. And so if that was the case, I think it would be Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry. All right, Dave, how about you? Uh, I like Taylor first. I like Derrick Henry second. I'm looking for the safest stud running back to take early on. So then you get to three, and McCaffrey is a consideration, but I feel like like we're going to get fooled by him again, aren't we? Look what's happened each of the last two seasons. He's been great when he plays, but he doesn't even play in half the games. That makes him a little bit tricky. If I'm really feeling whoever his backup is, assuming it's Chuba Hubbard, then I would have to really commit to making sure I get Hubbard on my squad. And I don't think I'd have to spend more than an eighth-round pick to get him. So he could be three. But I think if the Steelers make improvements to their offensive line and maybe to their passing game that could help out Najee Harris and make him a more efficient running back, I think he's got the better profile to be third. Second-year running back, obviously has a great pedigree coming out of college and was a great running back in high school in California, all that stuff. Young, still hasn't gone through a significant injury yet. If those things happen, I could see myself taking Najee ahead of Christian McCaffrey. I even think there's room to debate with Derrick Henry. I want to get into that. Just so you know, Christian McCaffrey's played seven games this year. I'm not counting the week three game. He, barely, he didn't Where play he much. Played. He didn't play. I mean, he got, he sure got hurt in the first him quarter. In their fantasy leagues that week. Yeah, okay, fine. But if you just want to look at his healthy games, the games he didn't leave with an injury... He averaged well over 100 yards. I mean, he okay, he was on pace for 2,272 total yards and 112 catches in 16 games. So when he was healthy, he was Christian McCaffrey. It was, it was really incredible. Um, Henry, you know, we talked a lot. We have been talking a lot about kind of the artificial 50-catch thing. And very, very few running backs have finished top five in any format over the last five or six years with fewer than 50 catches. Taylor's on pace to do that. You have to be a workhorse. But Henry, the catches went away. You know, he had 14 catches in his first four games. He had four catches after that. And the guy was getting almost you know, 28-ish carries per game. Right? He was on pace for 438 carries. So uh, I don't think that he was really deserving of, a, of the number two pick going into this year. He would have to get either more catches, which I don't really think is going to happen, or no. or 25-plus carries, which just seems reckless at this point. Because last year, he rushed for 2,000 yards, and I think he was the number four per game running back in full PPR. So I think two in full PPR, I, I know it's Derrick Henry, but I think two might be a little bit of a reach. I just can't really think of anyone with a better case. That's the problem. And that's what fantasy managers are going to have to deal with, is that, okay, number one, Jonathan Taylor. Seems like a surefire thing. Who's number two? Crap. Because all of a sudden now we do have warts on literally every other running back that's out there. You've got to think for a second about how the Titans and Panthers are going to evolve their offenses this offseason. Are they really going to give 25 carries per game to Derrick Henry, knowing that he just had this foot injury that sidelined him for half the year and may cost the Titans a playoff spot when it's all said and done. And the Panthers would be dumb to go right back to giving Christian McCaffrey all that work that gave him all those yards, knowing that he's he's 
a very there's a very high probability that he wouldn't make it through the next season. So I, I was both, just. I'm go sorry. Ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. This is the problem with when we're apart like this. We are always stepping on each other. Uh, I'll wrap it up. I, I think that both teams are going to come up with some sort of a solution to take work off of both of these running backs. I think it's going to be easier for the Titans to do because they're finding out that Deontay Foreman can be a usable piece to their offense, and that'll help conserve that that workload for Derrick Henry. I'm not sure if Chuba is the answer in Carolina, but if he is, then he's probably going to see 10 touches per game to try and work a little bit off of McCaffrey. I was just looking because, you know, they've got the curse of 370 thing, and that's people have been referencing that with Derrick Henry again this year and running backs who have that many touches often falling off in the following year. But most, or at least the guys I've gotten to early in the count, a lot of these guys had the fall off here, but then their team went right back to giving them the ball 400 times again later in their career. And there, there is something to the fact of people running backs who have held up to that type of workload in the past mm-hmm. are generally the types of running backs who get that type of workload in the future. So I, I don't like I don't know between McCaffrey and Henry which one of them is more likely to see the same workload they had in the past. But I haven't seen anything out of Tennessee that suggests when Derrick Henry is healthy, they're going to do anything other than give him the ball twenty five times a game. Well, that'll. Pretty much wrap up this discussion. Please get on the uh, Twitter thread. Let me know your thoughts. Eckler, by the way, is number two per game. uh, No, he's number three per game behind Taylor and Henry, but he's number two overall in both formats. He's got a great case and did not see any love for Alvin Kamara, but uh, that's another name. He's still in his prime, and I just thought Eckler's year this year looks so much like an Alvin Kamara season from previous seasons, but... You know, one difference, Eckler does not share carries. They just don't run the ball very much at all. Third fewest carries in football. but They've been like. so similar really since Eckler took over as the starting running back in 2019 or started seeing a bigger workload in 2019. Kamara gets a little bit more work, but Eckler's been better per, per so much better on a per reception and per target basis. Um, I would I would take Eckler over Kamara. All right, if you want an edge setting your DFS lineups, the Fantasy Football Today DFS podcast brings you all of the insights that you need to dominate DFS. Frank Stanfield, Mike McClure, Sienna Jad give you cash and GPP analysis on Tuesdays and Thursdays, deep diving into pricing and matchups. Listen to the Fantasy Football Today DFS podcast wherever you listen to FFT. News and notes. Dalvin Cook was limited in practice, but we don't expect him to play, right? Right. Nope. All right, we'll update you tomorrow if we have to, but as of right now, it's the Alexander Madison show. Ryan Fitzpatrick is out for the season. That's official now. Uh, David Njoku is on the reserve COVID list, and Harrison Bryant, another tight end for the Browns, could be out as well. Any interest in Austin Hooper against the Ravens? Minimal. Much more if Bryant was out as well, because they're going to throw the ball a bunch to their tight ends. They just always throw it a bunch to two tight ends. If both Najoku and Harrison Bryant were out, then I think Hooper might be a borderline starter. I used to have. He, ho- where's my Hooper drops? I don't have any more Hooper drops. You lost them. Hooper. Hey Hooper. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, he sucked, and go. then the drop was embarrassed, and it deleted itself off of your computer. I guess I didn't really need it anymore. Okay. More yeah, news. Top fifteen potential at tight end for Hooper. Minnesota cornerback Patrick Peterson is off the reserve COVID list. So he should be playing on Thursday. 
Kyle Shanahan hoping that Debo Samuel can play this week. But we don't know about the running back situation for the 49ers right now. So it could be Jermichael Hasty. He's the only running back we're currently projecting to play. All right. And Melvin Gordon is expected to practice this week. I'm sure we would be fine if he just, you know, took it easy. Take another week. Let uh, Retired. Let Javante Williams get in there against Detroit. Started a venture capitalist firm. Yeah, <laughs> I, it, it would be hard to pass up Javante Williams, at least as a top five pick next year. If uh, Melvin Gordon decided to swim for a living, yes. If he's the guy. We might need to see a couple more games at the end of this season, but it'd be tough. All right, let's go to the Trustometer. I asked the people, who do you want on the Trustometer this week? Here are some of the answers. Daryl Henderson. I think this is really tough. Uh, it's tough to project what these backfields are going to be, but we'll start with Daryl Henderson. This is not going to be easy for you guys. Uh, at Arizona this week, 0 to 10 on the Trustometer. Two this week. I'll give him, well, I'll give him a four right now. I might up that to a five if he gets in a full practice. And um, I just don't think, like, like you said, Adam, and I wrote this in the running back preview, there's a handful, maybe 10 backfields where not only are they committees, we don't have any idea who leads the committee. Mm, what a great time of year for this type of It's a good time. Conundrum. Yeah, it's really helpful. <laughs> oh, this sucks. Like, would you put Sony Michelle higher on the trustometer, Dave? Yes. He's healthier. He's coming off of a good game. I think the coaching staff likes what he gives them in terms of physical element to their run game. Not as explosive as Henderson, I'll admit that. But this is also a coaching staff that really doesn't seem to like committee running backs. They like one guy who's the healthier guy right now, who's the one that's been doing good work lately for them. It reminds me so much of last year with Cam Akers when the coaching staff like couldn't stop themselves from talking about Akers. And as soon as they saw some good from Cam Akers, bam, he was in as their main running back. That's a good point, but I think it's only been one game for Michelle. You know, that's all it took for Cam Akers. It took less than one game for Cam Akers. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, Chuba Hubbard, zero to ten. I think, I think I'm going to speak for everyone. You can correct me when it comes to the fantasy playoffs against the Bills, Bucks, and Saints. We have very little trust. It's maybe a one in Chuba Hubbard. So let's do just this week against Atlanta. The first time he faced Atlanta, 24 carries, 82 yards, and a touchdown with one catch. The Falcons, on a per-carry basis, have a solid run defense, but they do give up a lot of receiving yards. They give up a lot of fantasy points, and it could be a good game script for Hubbard. So, unless you disagree with me about the playoffs thing, let's just go to this week. Trustometer for Chuba Hubbard against Atlanta. Uh, Dave? I've got him in the flex range, so I'll put him at a six. I th I'm okay using him, thinking that he's got a shot at 15 touches in the game. But this offense might evolve quite a bit and be much more conservative, run-centric, Cam Newton-centric. And certainly you've got to worry about Chuba Hubbard on passing downs and at the goal line. So he could be a, a running back that just gives you yardage and that's it. Not loving we it. We are, our trustometers, are, there, there is zero calibration between them, because I don't really disagree with the words that Dave said, but I was going to say two. Um, mm -hmm. What did Dave say? What was their number, Dave? Dave said six. Six. Okay. 
Um, I, I've got him as a low end flex. I would prefer to start Amir Abdullah over Chuba Hubbard just because like this offense, the main thing for the running backs has been all the passing work over the past several years. And Amir Abdullah is the passing downs back, I think. And he's played more snaps than Chuba Hubbard basically every game since week eight or week nine or the same number. Um, um yeah, but, but is that with McCaffrey though? Most of it was right. So. He's gonna have you, you. Obviously, we think but, Hubbard's gonna outcarry Amir Abdullah, right? I think that. You're not convinced. I'm not sure he's gonna outcarry Cam Newton. What are the odds that the Falcons build a lead on the Panthers? I mean, it's possible, right? The, this isn't exactly a game of one dominant team and one limp team. One it's of the, two limp teams. Yeah. So I think there's a chance that if the Falcons build a lead, Carolina could say, "All right, Amir, we're we're chasing points here. You've got to play." That's what happened the last time the Panthers played. McCaffrey got hurt. They fell behind. And it was two-thirds of the snaps to Abdullah, the rest of Chuba Hubbard, after McCaffrey got hurt. Okay, so, what? right. I mean, if it's a bad game script, then you're screwed. But uh, would you start, if Melvin Gordon plays, would you start a Broncos running back over Chuba Hubbard? Yes. Both. Both over both. I would go Javante, Melvin, Abdullah, Hubbard. Would you start Tony Pollard at Washington over Chuba yeah. Hubbard? Yes. Yeah. Really? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, let's the, go to. We need to recalibrate the, uh, the trustometer. Yeah, probably. Probably. You know what else you need to recalibrate? You need to recalibrate how you're going to go about sending stuff out during this holiday season. Uh, I actually have to go to the post office today, and I was going to. I went to the post office yesterday, but it had a long line. So I'm going to go give it another shot today. But. If I were doing this for a living, if I had a small business or if I were an online seller or something like that, I'd be using stamps.com. And actually, a year ago, I actually did use stamps.com to send out a lot of things during this time of year. It is so helpful during holiday season. And really, for small businesses, it is so helpful all year long. Now, you love the post office. They do a lot of great things for you. But uh, when you're selling online, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays because you can do all the things that you do at the post office, but right from home. Um, going to the post office instead of using Stamps.com, that's like taking the stairs instead of the elevator. You're just going up a couple floors, sure, take the stairs. If you're walking up 30 flights a day, you could use a break. So if you spend more than a few minutes a week dealing with mail and shipping, Stamps.com is a lifesaver. You will save so much time and so much money, and you will wonder why you didn't do it sooner. Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if you're sending out more stuff right now, more mail, more packages during the holidays. I think it's really geared for small businesses and for people who do online selling, but really, I encourage you just to take a look. Uh, even if you're just you know like, like me at home, sending stuff out this time of year, it's a great, great service. Save time and money this holiday season with Stamps.com. Sign up with the promo code FFT for a special offer. It includes, and this is an amazing offer, a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code FFT. Back to the Trustometer, James Robinson. He's oh boy! At Tennessee this week, they are third best against running backs. They actually second; they're tied for second best fewest fantasy points allowed. Usually, they give up 
good games to good running backs, including Robinson, who tore them apart earlier this year. But it's hard to trust O'Meter, James Robinson, right now. Heath, where are you at on him? I'm going to go five. Um, borderline number two running back who has top 10 upside every single week. I'm hoping for a little bit of a squeaky wheel effect here. I know Urban Meyer doesn't handle the substitutions in game, but maybe he could tell his running backs coach that, hey, let's play the better running back more than the not so good running back, especially since everybody's talking about it and making fun of me. Um, I, I, I'm hopeful that Robinson sees a little bit bigger workload this week and the upside, unlike with someone like Chuba Hubbard, at least for me, is is higher. So I'm going to trust him a little bit more. I've got him as a bottom of the barrel RB2. And I just, I don't know what to make of this ridiculous Jaguars decision making when it comes to how they use their running backs. I'm sorry, it makes- guys. It's, it's I think it's pretty obvious to me. It's health. It is. Okay. Uh, we can we can That's criticize all we want, but yeah, he said been, as much. He said that the, the he, Urban Meyer said that it was a health reason. That's okay. why he was limited. But that's not that that was not true, right? Like your it first mistake true. is believing Urban Meyer. No, but they he, they benched him for twenty snaps right after he fumbled, and then they played him late in the fourth quarter of a blowout. Right, the timing that has nothing to do with health. No, it does. Okay, the the timing. Why would they put him back in the game? They, if he they shouldn't have. Healthy? They shouldn't have. I get that. But if he had been fully healthy, he would have gotten a normal workload. That's my point. Okay, but it has been two weeks in a row that he has fumbled and then sat out for 15-plus snaps. I think if he were fully healthy, he would have got that. that uh, reading the in between the lines of the quotes, if he were fully healthy, he would have gotten a, full, a normal workload. That's that's how I... And you just they just happened to rest him right after he fumbled both weeks. I think he specifically said... I think Meyer specifically said that he didn't get benched for fumbling. He, he said he didn't know because he doesn't make those decisions. All right, I'm gonna. Or look. he does, and he just didn't want to admit to making that decision because it was a dumb decision. You're okay. taking literally the best player of your offense off the field for fumbling, and maybe yes, maybe maybe there's a point to it. If he's fumbled in consecutive games, you want to try and you know send a message. It was his only two fumbles of the season. It's just such a, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna stop myself. Okay, okay. So James Robinson or <laughs> I don't want to say. same game, Robinson or Deontay Foreman. I've got Robinson. Foreman higher. Robinson. I'll take Foreman. Robinson for Heath, Foreman for Dave. Okay, next up, Elijah Moore. Uh trustometer. Ah oh, man, you keep messing with my head because I don't know if I'm supposed to say trustometer or trustometer at this point. Trust uh trustometer. In the same bit for ten, 10 years. Yeah, but I forgot which side I'm on. Ten. <laughs> 10 on Elijah Moore for Heath. Must start. Should not be on the trustometer. Agreed. Okay, I'm going to tell you, though. He's got a 50% catch rate in his last two games with Zach Wilson. 5.75 yards per target. 6.42 yards per target. Does that sound like a guy who shouldn't be on the trustometer? Only if he's getting double-digit targets every week, and he is. He's not. He got eight two weeks ago. He got 12 last week. If you think the Jets might throw 24 passes against the Saints, then you could have a little bit of concern for Elijah Moore. Okay, fine. Start him. Uh, Julio Jones against Jacksonville. Probably in that same six range. Assuming that he practices all week, he's good to go. It's a great matchup. I just don't know how much passing they're going to do. Yeah, I'd go four and a half because I, I think I'd flex James Robinson over him. Um, but everybody else before Elijah Moore, I would start Julio over. Okay. 
Do we know if he's playing this week? No. We don't yet. All right. He's got we, we know he's been designated to return. Usually when a player gets designated to return, he plays that following game. They're that week's game. Three of his I next, don't want to make it sound like he's not going to play this week. Three of his next four games are against teams that rank 23rd or worse against wide receivers. So mm-hmm. on paper, it's a good schedule for Julio Jones. And I mentioned this on yesterday's FFT episode. I did more research on him after our podcast because I wasn't really high on him during the podcast. I He's been their most explosive receiver this year. It's been crazy. He's had an explosive play, basically one every four catches, technically a little bit better than that. It's just a matter of getting enough targets this is a titans offense that does love to run the football everybody knows that their pass run ratio is fourth lowest in terms of passes this year it's ninth lowest since the derrick henry injury so they're really trying to stick to it if he gets eight targets he's got a shot at six catches if you give julio jones six catches at the rate that he was playing at before the injury he's got a shot to be a very useful high-end number three receiver in ppr with a chance to finish as a top 12 guy so He's he's not somebody that people should just completely ignore. A good bench receiver at this point with the chance to be a starter. Yeah, he's Julio Jones, man. Come on, he's Julio Jones. Give yeah, him a little, I hate give saying him a that slack. because he's Why? just he, he's because he's an older version of Julio Jones. He's not even the same. He's, he's not a, he necessarily was, the same guy that ago. he was late last year on a per target and per catch basis. He's the same guy he's ever been. He's just not been this able to stay year healthy enough or to get over to, the last two years. This year. He's, he's averaging been, over 10 yards per target and over six like 15 yards per reception. I think yeah. he's been better better both on a per target and per catch basis this year than his career averages. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy and hasn't seen the same number of targets. Yes, 15.2 yards per catch for his career, 16.0 this year. Mm-hmm. 9.8 yards per target for his career, 10.8 this year. His yeah, catch the, rate's higher this year than his career. Yeah, so the, the biggest difference, honestly, is, isn't is that he's a year older or that he's coming off of an injury. It's that he's on a team that doesn't throw like crazy like the Falcons did. Well, but he, right, but but he is now on a team that this is going to be the first time, if he can play, that he plays without Derrick Henry, who was getting 28 carries a game, basically. So And no A.J. Brown. It's a great setup. All right, let's go uh, one more here. Let's do, you tell me, should we do Marquise Brown, Packers running backs, Amari Cooper, or DK Metcalf? I think we could do them all very quickly. Metcalf and Brown are in the same boat. I'd say they're about a seven on the trust omen here. I don't know what I just said. <laughs> uh, Amari Cooper's a notch below, if not two notches below. And I really, I haven't dug into the Packers running backs yet, but I would imagine both are going to be in that seven range as well. I, I think you, they can both have a good game against Chicago. You trust DK more than Amari Cooper? Yes. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I do. I'd probably put Cooper at a six and DK at a five. Does that mean you're starting Cooper ahead of Metcalf? Oh yeah. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm. I don't think DK Metcalf's a must-start wide receiver. Mm. I hate it. I hate even considering that. Right. I know he should be, but somebody was so proud of themselves because we were having the Elijah Moore DK Metcalf discussion last week, and they sent me the screenshot today. They started Elijah Moore over DK Metcalf, and they won their matchup because of the difference in their production. That's, that's cool. That, that's a great, great feeling. I wouldn't have done it. I know Heath would have. So well done. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I have. I'm not, it's not about my team, but just I have one team with DK Metcalf, and 
I don't know how I could sit. The guys I would sit him for on a weekly basis would be Odell Beckham, Devontae Smith. I mean, I have good receivers. I have Evans, Metcalf, Marquise Brown, and Chase Claypool, Beckham, and Devontae Smith. I guess my point is you've got to be loaded at wide receiver or just in a two-receiver league to think about sitting or, DK Metcalf. Like, mm-hmm. Right, or you could... like. There are some guys that I would start over him that have emerged this year that I, you might not, but you could pretty easily have Hunter Renfro and um, Elijah Moore and Tyler Lockett and not be starting DK Metcalf. I suppose. Mm-hmm. All right. That's it for the Trustometer. Yeah, I'm Trustometer. I think I'm Team Trustometer. We're going to take a break, very quick break. And when we come back, I think this Thursday night game is pretty damn interesting from a fantasy standpoint. Pittsburgh Ooh, at... cursing. Yeah, I'm sorry. Ooh. Pittsburgh at Minnesota. You guys should have heard Adam before the show. <laughs> <laughs> Were you on for that? Oh, yeah. I was cursing before the show? Like a madman. Yep. Like a sailor. I was a little bit, but I think that was before you came on. Oh, you said you said the worst curse word in the uh, book. <laughs> yeah. And oh, Dave said, "You've got a mic in front of you. Couldn't we? Couldn't believe you said it. My ears are still burning just a little. Bit. Uh, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to slack me and tell me what I said. All right, we'll take a break. You don't even know. No, I don't remember. Your poor kids are gonna be cursing by the time they're five. Pittsburgh at Minnesota. When we come back, and we are bleeping back here on fantasy football today. All right, stat of the game for Steelers at Vikings. KJ Osborne, eight percent rostered as of Wednesday morning." He has scored, I'm going, I'm going decimal scoring here, 14.6 or more PPR fantasy points in four or five games in which he has had six to nine targets. He's only had five, he's only had five games with more than five targets. He's never had more than nine. And he's come through with a startable game in four of those five games. He's had 76 or more yards in three of those five games. He's had a touchdown in three of those five games. So he's been, uh, you know, a guy that if you could guarantee me six to nine targets, I'm starting him in a three-receiver league. But, uh uh-oh, there have been 16 wide receivers with six to nine targets against Pittsburgh, and only, I know, and only six of them have scored 14 or more PPR fantasy points. So, you know, good production on one end, tough matchup on the other in that regard. Yep, the same problem that Tyler Conklin's got. Technically the same problem that Justin Jefferson has, but I don't think anybody's thinking about, you know. I'm sitting Jefferson. Yeah, sure you are. For Osborne. Uh, yeah. Okay. No. The, the, yeah. What do you the think? The only concern I have with Osborne and that six to nine target stat, which is a good one, best use of Azer stats, um, <laughs> is that, most of those, I believe, those targets came with both Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen on the field. In fact, I think probably most of them came with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and Dalvin Cook on the field. In the passing game, he might be the Steelers' second priority to take away. Mm-hmm. So I do think it will be a little more difficult. I wouldn't expect quite as good efficiency, but he's a fine flex this week. I agree. You saw it last week in the, in the last three quarters. Thielen got hurt early on in the in the game. So just looking at strictly the second, third, and fourth quarters where Thielen wasn't on, the Vikings had to make changes on the fly. Osborne played a ton, had five targets, scored the touchdown, had two end zone targets, same as Justin Jefferson, 
one more than Tyler Conklin. And he looked fine. Like he, I, I think you're okay with him as a flex. I think he said it best. And the fact that he's still out there makes him someone that fantasy managers could gravitate toward if they really have an unlikable receiver currently in their lineup. And I think if you look at that game in comparison to the other ones, he had nine targets against the Bengals, averaged 8.4 yards per target. Six targets against Arizona, averaged 15 yards per target. Seven targets against Carolina, a very good defense, averaged 11 yards per target. Last week against the Lions with no Thielen, 6.7 yards per target. Okay. So would you start Osborne or Chase Claypool? Claypool. I believe I currently have Claypool ranked higher. I, I'm not sure if I want to commit to Claypool over Osborne, though. All right. Well, let's talk about it. And by the way, we're not really going to talk about Alexander Madison or Najee Harris. Uh, if we get any news that Dalvin Cook might play, then we can update this on Thursday. But as of right now, Madison and Harris are, are no-brainer starts. Same with Deontay Johnson. Same with Justin Jefferson. Uh, but let's talk about first Roethlisberger. And I think to me, you know, whenever you're looking at Roethlisberger and Claypool, you have to ask how many points are the Steelers going to give up? What's the game script? How many mm-hmm. passes is Roethlisberger going to throw? Because he throws much more often. He's thrown 40 or more passes in six games, and they're one in five in those games. And he's thrown 34 or fewer passes in five wins, and they're 5-0 and oh, or they're 4-0-1 oh and one, or whatever it might be. I think they're 5-0. and oh. Yeah. Um, you can't. Oh, he missed one. He missed the tie. He missed the tie. That's right. The problem with that and is we don't we obviously don't know going into a game, especially with a team like Pittsburgh against a team like Minnesota, what the game script's going to be. These teams are all over the place. Um, but they're three point underdogs on the road, which basically tells you that Vegas thinks these teams are even. And so far the batters haven't disagreed. Um I I've got him projected for thirty nine pass attempts. That'd be good. That'd be good for Claypool. It'd be good for Claypool. And I've got Claypool's a high end number three wide receiver. I think that's right about where we should have him. I don't like that he had three targets last week, but I'm choosing to ignore it. I don't think that that's necessarily what has happened here to Claypool. What has happened to Claypool is that he's become an afterthought in the red zone when it comes to targets and and work and all that ever since Pat Fryermuth became a thing. Um, Fryermuth has kind of dominated him in terms of all kinds of stats. He's got one more end zone target than Claypool. Claypool is now third on the Steelers since Firemuth week six became a factor in the offense. He's third on the Steelers in red zone targets with eight red zone catches with three, no touchdowns mm. since Pat Fryermuth became Pat Fryermuth and Fryermuth has like sucked up all the touchdowns since he's come into play. I don't I, you I think, think though, I think it hurts to, I, I think if you're starting Claypool, you can't count on him to score. He's barely done that. You need target volume. I think he bounces back there. Could he get you five for 80? Yeah, I think that's his range. I think that's really where you should put him at, and that's the high-end flex range that you're talking about, Heath. Captain regression pants here. Um, But if a guy has eight targets in the red zone and has not scored on them or has one touchdown on them, then I just think he's getting opportunities. He's probably going to score. He scored one touchdown on 72 targets. Last year, he scored nine on 109. Neither of those are sustainable over a long portion of time. We knew last coming into this year, he wasn't going to score like he did last year because nobody scores at that rate. And he's not going to keep scoring once every 72 targets. Okay. I agree with all that. Is this the week where he catches a touchdown? I hope so. Right, guys. 
Listen, so uh, I'm but just we've gonna... been saying that since week six, and it hasn't happened. I'm just going to level with you guys and level with all the listeners right now. Mm-hmm. Just got a text. Wife's not feeling so well right now, so I don't have that much time. And I think, Dave, you have to leave in like 15 minutes or something like that. Sure. So sure. I, unfortunately, I know people hate when I do this, but I really do have to shorten this show a little bit today. So we're going to go a little bit quicker through the starts and the sits. Um, I got to go watch my kids. So I apologize for that, but unexpected. Uh, anyway, um, let's go. Okay. go. Ethan, no, I can no, it's okay. It's off. okay. I'm good for 15 minutes. Are you minutes. sure? Yep. Yep. Let's go. So going off the wife. Hey, 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 shush. Okay. You're, you're hurting now. All right. Claypool or, um, or, uh, Marquise Brown. 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 Brown's a top 20 receiver. Claypool or Gallup. Claypool. All right. Let's talk Ben Roethlisberger here. You guys have him, I think, around like 15th, 17th, something like that. What do you feel about Roethlisberger? Mid-range QB2 with low-end QB1 upside. Uh, yeah, that's how I feel about him, although I think I'm ranked higher than you, Heath. I like that he's giving us 20-plus fantasy points in three of his last four games. I like that the Vikings don't put a lot of pressure on the quarterback because they're missing their best pass rushers. I don't like that they're getting healthy in the back seven. Patrick Peterson's off the COVID list. It looks like both linebackers, Barr and Kendricks, will play in the game. Roethlisberger is an okay start if you're if you're streaming. Yeah. Um, obviously, Taysom Hill way ahead of him. I'm starting Roethlisberger. I dropped Derek Carr for Roethlisberger this week. So I like that. I, like, I would win. start Cam ahead of Big Ben. Yeah, I know you guys have Taysom and Cam ahead of him. Heineke or Roethlisberger? I haven't taken a Heineke. deep dive onto Heineke yet, but I'll say Roethlisberger. All right, then what about Kirk Cousins? Would you start Taysom Hill or Kirk Cousins? I'd start Hill. Hill. Yeah, I think you guys the have matchup against the Jets. It's just a ahead. huge swing there. Big difference. Cousins or struggling Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes? Both of the good quarterbacks. Yes. <laughs> the good quarterbacks. Cousins has been top twelve. Cousins has been okay. Cousins is a very good quarterback. I'm sorry. Yeah, multiple touchdowns. I think it's four straight games. Might be five straight games at this point. I think it's five, and yeah. he's been okay. But this is a Steelers defense that should get after him. They're going to play a ton of zone. That usually makes it a little bit harder on Cousins. And he doesn't have his security blankie and Thielen. It's going to make a difference. That's a good point. Uh, Wilson or Cousins? I've got Cousins ahead of Wilson. Cousins. Okay, and how about the tight ends? Who do you like better? Conklin. Firemuth. He's not a big Firemuth guy this week. I No, I'm not. And again, it comes back to the the touchdown regression and i know this irritates people but he he catches four passes for 30 or 40 yards every week and you're just praying for a touchdown and ben roethlisberger's thrown basically one and a half touchdowns per game this season i know that fryermuth has caught 40 percent of those touchdowns i don't think that's going to continue just like i said i don't think chase claypool is not going to score any more touchdowns i don't think pat fryermuth is going to score all the touchdowns I think Fryermuth has a better chance to score a touchdown than Claypool. I think he's got a better chance to score a touchdown than Conklin for sure. <laughs> Conklin might have more catches. I'll concede that. They could both end up if they if let's put it this way. I think they could tie in PPR fantasy points this week pretty easily. I just like the guy who's been catching touchdowns and seems to be an important part of the red zone offense better. But we, I talked about how Osborne saw a bump in targets, obviously, after Adam Thielen got hurt. Conklin saw the biggest bump. He saw the most targets last week, but this is a Steelers defense that does a great job, not just this year, but historically limiting tight ends. I have a hard time believing that Tyler Conklin is going to put up numbers against the Steelers D. 
All right, let's do some rankings then. Uh, Dalton Schultz or a tight end in this game? Fryermuth. Um, Schultz. I'm- Kyle Pitts or a tight end in this game? Fryermuth. Conklin. Uh, Zach Ertz or a tight end in this game? Conklin. Fryermuth. <laughs> okay. All right, I think you guys have made your point there. We could not be more far apart on Pat Fryermuth. I think Dave yeah. has him like sixth. Yeah, and you have him somewhere around 15th or so. Right. All right, the DSTs, eh, maybe a minute eh, eh, on the DSTs. All right, and that, Dave, that is it for Thursday Night Football. Na, 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 na. All right, let's talk Week 14 ethics. I'm going to fire away with a few questions. Is it okay to tank to keep a team out of the playoffs? Define tank. Yeah, so, so you're in the playoffs. There's another, the, the team you're playing, um, if they win... That will keep another team that you feel is stronger out of the playoffs. And I get this question all the time. In fact, this was a big debate that we had at the end of Monday's show. So you tank, you lose, you start a player on a bye or, or you know, make bad lineup decisions on purpose in order to prevent another team from getting in the playoffs that you feel is stiffer competition. Is that okay? Not playing players on a bye, not playing players who are injured. If you want to waste roster spots to roster bad players and start them, that's fine as long as you expect them to play, in my opinion. I agree, although I could also see an argument for allowing somebody to play injured players or a player on by for one week. I know that it's bad form, and I know it's ugly, and you'd hate for it to happen to you, but we're all adults here. We, we know what we're doing with our fantasy teams. If you've got the best seed that you could possibly get, and this week doesn't matter to you, and you really think it's going to help you by keeping another team out of the playoffs, or if you just feel like being a real jerk, you could do it. But I think Heath's way is the better way. Start players who are going to start Devontae Booker, start Jarrett Patterson, start Marquise Goodwin, start guys who are going to play but aren't necessarily going to put up big numbers. And also, like, make sure that you don't believe in karma. Hmm. Mm. Oh, that's a good point, yeah. Um, because you're going to lose to that team that you're letting into the playoffs. And make sure that you don't value friendships because this oh, yeah, could put a, a real danger on a friendship if you're absolutely keeping one of your friends out of the playoffs by not starting players. Mm. It's, like, seriously. Yeah. It, it, it's At bare bad. minimum, you should be prepared to buy somebody beers. Now, someone wrote in and said, hey, I've already clinched a spot. Uh, I don't, I'm not even... Yeah, I've already cleansed the spot. This week is meaningless for me. Uh, can I start Nick Folk instead of dropping someone to pick up another kicker? I can't say no to that. How can I say I no? You have to start. I agree. A That's totally different. Right. Okay. Um, what if you, <laughs> what if you call or text or communicate somehow with another member in your league who hasn't been setting his lineup and say, "Hey, set your lineup this week," because you know that guy, because this person is playing someone that you want him to be competitive against whatever you need a little help 100% have done that fair game fair game okay absolutely you're not you're not setting the lineup for that person you're saying hey dude who's been sleeping forever wake wake up I almost cursed <laughs> you said and- doo-doo by the way right that did sound like doo-doo there dude who's been sleeping forever but- dude who's been sleeping yeah Dave said doo-doo okay I said uh, uh but yeah you can do that and I have done that all right, Heath, give me a dynasty riser quarterback and a dynasty faller quarterback. Up two risers for this year, Tua Tagovailoa and Tagovailoa and Mac Jones. Um, Tua was QB 17 at the beginning of the season. He's up to QB 12 now. Mac Jones, I had at QB 25 at the beginning of the season. He's up to QB 17 now. 
and um, could could I, th- I think he'll probably stay in that QB two range. I'm not sure he has um, the upside to ever be like a top twelve dynasty quarterback, but he's he's moving that direction. The biggest faller, and I don't even know if he matters anymore. Um, but the biggest faller was definitely Sam Darnold. I had some hope that he might be good for fantasy at some point, just three months ago, and uh, that hope has been dashed. And another faller, I, I dropped Zach Wilson a few spots. He is now behind both Tua and Mac Jones, and he was ahead of both of them um, coming into the season. Schrager, let's do a quick YouTube poll. Dynasty League, Zach Wilson or Mac Jones? Let's see what the people say. We'll keep it up there for uh, a little while and and see, um, let you know at the end of the show. I kind of like Tua in that poll as well. I'm going to run that poll on Twitter right now. Tua, right. Mac Jones, and... I was going to ask you, um, how much time do you think Tua has bought himself? I think he's played well enough that even if the Dolphins decide they want to make a splash this offseason, he gets another shot to start somewhere. Agreed. Do you think he's got as many years in front of him as Wilson and Mac Jones? Um. I don't know about Mac Jones because Mac Jones might have 15, but Seriously. I don't know if he would ever be a great fantasy quarterback during that 15. So I don't know that it's relevant. If I don't think he has the upside that Tua does. As far as Zach Wilson, I think Tua's leash should be longer than Zach Wilson's at this point. He's He's been a good quarterback. Uh, we're really I, I, worried about time here. I mean, they're both, they're all so young. I don't they, know. they are young, but I'm also worried about patience and whether or not a coaching staff says, all right, I've seen enough. I'm moving on. I know for sure. Zach Wilson's going to be the starting quarterback for the jets next year. I agree with you, Heath. I think Mac Jones has a chance to be the starter for the Patriots for at least the next two years, if not the next 15 years um, Tua, I, I think he's still going to be the guy in Miami. And if not Miami, then somewhere else, but Man, even if he, if especially if he gets traded or moves on to another team, I can't say for sure he's going to be a starter by November of 2022. Wow! All right, poll results so far: only 53 votes, 49% Mac Jones, 43% Tua, 8% Zach Wilson. Really interesting Ooh. because you know Wilson has more tools, I would say, than Mac Jones. Yeah, and but. the tools will improve. Like Zach Wilson was never as good of a prospect as Tua was pre-injury, right? No, not for me. But neither no. was Joe Burrow <laughs> or Justin. Nobody. Very few were. You know, right. Tua was elite. True. All right, let's. Um, and by the way, if the Patriots add some weapons for Mac Jones, he could be a startable fantasy quarterback. All right, uh, let's talk about. Oh, let's read your questions from Gambino Mafia on Apple Podcasts. Start two in PPR: Elijah Moore, Amari Cooper, Darnell Mooney. I'm, I'm sitting. sitting. Go ahead, Heath. So Cooper. I think I'm sitting Cooper as well. Pick a tight end if Waller is out. Conklin, or we're not going to go with Conklin because you don't want to destroy any chance you have of getting Waller on Sunday. So Moreau, Ingram, or Komet if Waller's out. If you've got Waller and Moreau, I think you're covered. Okay. Even in a tough matchup. Is the Giants game the same time? as the Raiders? Because if it was, I would choose Ingram over Moreau. Giants are at four. I no, Chiefs are, at, Chiefs are at one. Raiders at Chiefs is at one. Well, but the, okay, so but if that game's Good. at one, you can still do it because yeah. the Giants play at four. Right. But yeah. I would still go with a Raiders tight end over Evan Ingram. 
All right, uh, from Devin, emails here, fantasyfootball.cbsi.com. Dear clever group of four name. I'll go. Uh, Peter, Ray, Egon, and Winston. Start two in PPO. Is that New Girl? Yeah, New Girl. Uh, My wife watches that. Yeah. <laughs> Were you being serious? 100%, yeah. Because I said Winston, you heard New Girl? It was obviously the Ghostbusters. Oh. Egon. Okay. I said Egon. I didn't hear you say Egon. <laughs> Wait a minute! You you're not trolling him, Heath. No, I heard Winston. And I, just I thought you were trolling him the whole time. <laughs> Me too. And I was like, wait a second, he's serious. All right, start two in um, PPR. Are two wide receivers and a flex: McLaurin, Lockett, Mike Williams, James Conner, David Montgomery. There were a lot not, of names, sir. I, we don't have enough information. Anybody? All right, let's say Chase Edmonds plays and uh, Keenan Allen doesn't. So pick two wide receivers, McLaurin, Lockett, Mike Williams. Williams and Lockett. McLaurin and Lockett. And now a flex. Other wide receiver, James Conner, David Montgomery. Montgomery if Edmonds is back. Fair. Conner otherwise. Mark from somewhere between Los Angeles and the Mexico border. San Diego. San Diego. Dear Peyton, Ben, Tom, and Wales. Joe. Oh, never mind. <laughs> uh, Peyton, Ben, Tom, and Joe. Beatles. Yes. Uh, new girl. I have my first ever dynasty draft coming up. It's going to be an auction. Salary cap draft, we call them. Followed by a three-round rookie draft in snake form. How do you approach dynasty auction drafts? You, I think the very first thing you have to decide is whether you're playing for this year or if you want to sit out this year. Because you, it will affect your strategy. Um, I would like to get young wide receivers would be my goal if I'm going to just play for the long term. But if I'm playing for this year, I might go young running backs and older wide receivers. I always play for now in a startup because there are too many other managers that are playing into the future and you get great bargains, both in drafts and salary caps with older players. And then you just have to manage the team a little bit more and keep cultivating it and finding younger players. And then you eventually fall into a win. It doesn't necessarily happen the first year, but I think you put yourself in better position if you try to win first instead of, you know, not. But don't for like have a plan of what you're going to do, but don't force it. Um, it, It may be that the league goes now heavy, be ready to pivot. But by the time you get to the middle, you should be able to look at your roster and say, okay, this is the direction I'm going. Now, these are the guys that I'm targeting. All right, guys, rapid fire. Here here we go. Ready? Okay. Uh, Which DST are you going with from Matthew? Titans against the Jaguars, Chargers against the Giants, Seahawks at Houston. Titans. Seahawks right behind them. I think I have the Giants the highest, or the the team playing the Giants the highest. Yes, the Chargers. Okay, and then this is going to be the quickest version of the Fantasy Cops. But here we go. I think this is a... I think this is a layup, but you tell me. Uh, From Drew in Australia. No time for the accent. I'm in year two of a 14-team dynasty league. Despite having the year from hell with the most points scored against me, I am going to make the playoffs as the final seed uh, based largely on the waiver advice on this show. Oh, thank you. Our league was set up last year to have a 13-week regular season where every team plays each other once and then a three-week playoff from weeks 14 through 16. Six teams make the playoffs and the top two seeds have a bye in the first uh, week of the playoffs. All right, pretty standard stuff. 
But of course, week 14, you know, the playoffs are supposed to start. I realized this a few weeks ago when looking ahead to my potential playoff matchup. As it turns out, I was locked into playing my brother in the first week of the playoffs. And while he has a stronger team than me, on, the, on this week, he had multiple players on bye. So I thought it might work out in my favor. We just finished the final week of the regular season this week, but before the commissioner formally announced the playoff matchup, someone complained about the fact that he was going to have players on bye in week 14. Someone else said they should add a week onto the regular season. And with no vote or further discussion, the commissioner added an extra regular season week on the site and delayed the playoffs a week. I'm furious. I feel that even though the initial setup was flawed, you can't change the rules during the season, particularly after the scheduled end of the regular season. People might have made trades and pickups based on the fact that there were teams on by in the final week of the season. It also takes my team from being in the playoffs to potentially missing the playoffs. Do you think I should quit the league? A lot of people are doing this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen multiple people talk about how do I change my schedule, and there there should have been a vote. I don't think I'd probably quit the league over this. No. You I think need to make sure the commissioner's on the game with the schedule moving forward. Yeah, I think, it, look, it, it, he obviously starters. should have been handled better, but you cannot have the fantasy playoff start this week. You absolutely can't. It well, has you to, could. You can't. It's just not a good idea. It's a terrible idea, and it's against everything we stand for. The I, number I have one, a league where the playoffs are starting this week. Scott Fishbowl? Uh, no. Um, FFPC playoffs started last week, and that's for... Um, the thing is... What if people say they drafted differently, didn't draft week 14 players because they knew the playoffs started this week? I just, it, it goes against everything we've ever done in fantasy football. Except Having players the changing on a the rules in week 13 goes against everything that we stand it's for. Un, it's not football. ideal. <laughs> I, I personally think that the play, that, that it sucks, but what would suck even more is the playoffs starting this week. The lesser of two evils is starting them next week and moving it back a week. That's what I think. I'm good with it. The Should there be any built-in advantage to the teams that would have clinched a playoff spot this week? For example, do you spot those no. teams? Like our emailer seems 10 points. No, all right. So I wrapped up my thoughts. I need you to do the same. Um, it, it sucks. Complain. Write a strongly worded message on the message board. Go win the damn league. I love it. All right. I'm sorry to cut everything off. Thank you for understanding, everybody. Uh, for Dave and Heath, I am Adam. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today.